we doing? That's a strong good morning. You're all properly caffeinated and we're ready to go. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of a person named Kanye West. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of him. I'm sure some of you, some of you are going, wow, all right. I've been, I'm, I'm, I knew this was coming. Others were like, I don't know who Kanye is. Um, he's a very successful rap artist. His wife is Kim Kardashian. Um, he's like besties with Jay-Z. Some of y'all are like, I'm, I'm still not getting that. Anyway, he's popular. Um, Kanye is an extremely talented producer, lyricist. He's uh, someone that I've, I've listened to a lot, sometimes maybe more when I was younger. Um, he's had a really um, unparalleled reputation as a very outlandish figure. Um, I, that's putting it mildly. Uh, who says whatever he thinks and he does whatever he feels and thinks. Uh, as a result, Kanye's often uh, expletive, laced, sexually driven, extremely crude music would make you think that he would be the very last person in the world to repent and believe in Jesus. Uh, but recently, uh, God saved Kanye. Uh, at least it seems to be the case. Kanye professed to have believed in the gospel. At one point, he told the pastor uh, that converted him, uh, and continues to minister to him, who's actually from Dublin, Georgia, apparently. Um, he said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting rap. And uh, he asked him why. He said, that's the devil's music. Uh, and he says, it doesn't have to be. Uh, and this week, Kanye came out with his album called Jesus is King, which is, is just incredible. And I've got to say, when I first heard that, I went, eh, there's no way that's true. Um, there's no way Kanye West would change his stripes. There's no way the guy that I used to listen to in college, um, many of the songs I would never listen to now, there's no way that guy decided to follow Jesus. And then I listened to a few of his songs and I was like, wow, that's not fluff. That's like real stuff. Uh, I encourage you to listen to it. I would recommend it to everyone. Um, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not as big a fan of rap anymore. Um, but it was. it was. It was rich. It had gospel uh, material in it. Um, and I find it incredibly ironic that I believe that the Son of God took on flesh and that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I didn't believe that God could save Kanye West. Um, I believe that God is three in one. I believe that uh, the Son of God is fully God, that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. I believe that Jesus turned water into wine. I believe that God raised Jesus for, from the dead for my justification. I believe he was ascended to the right hand of the Father. I believe that he's interceding for us on our behalf with the Father, and yet he will return to judge the world, and yet I could not believe uh, that Kanye West got saved. I just find that terribly ironic. Uh, the gospel should eradicate our doubt in the living God. Amen? We have no right as Christians to doubt what God can do and can't do. Um, and so to, to, to start this morning, I just wanted to define what the gospel is. The gospel is this. The God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead also gives new life to sinners who put their faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And if God can raise a dead man, he can change anyone he pleases, including me, including the Apostle Paul, including Kanye West. Everything is possible with our God. Amen? Amen. Nothing and no one is beyond the power of God. And we need to remember that as we go through Genesis chapter 17 because 
Abraham doesn't quite believe that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. He laughs at God. And uh, that's, God doesn't smite him. God doesn't annihilate him on the spot like he could have. God shows him grace as he's shown all of us grace this morning. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 21. If you're new, if you're just joining us, uh, we preach through books of the Bible here at Haynes Creek, and we're going through the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, and we're in chapter 17 uh, with two people that God has shown, just because God wanted to, He's shown them grace, and their names are Abraham and Sarah. And once you've found Genesis 17, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. And God said to Abram, Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means he laughs. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He will father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Let's pray. Father, what immeasurable grace you show your children. You called Abraham out of darkness. Father, he is the father of the Jewish nation, but he himself was a Gentile from Ur of the Chaldeans, and yet you called him out of darkness as you call each and every one of us who calls upon the name of Jesus out of the darkness. Father, we are redeemed people who have laughed in your face. And because of your great love, you showed us mercy. Father, this morning as we look at Abraham's disrespectful act, may we be reminded of the disrespect and mockery that we've shown you and be reminded of the grace that's found in Jesus. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. If you can recall, in Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abram, when he's 75 years old, that he will make of him a great nation, and Abraham believes him, and it's counted to him as righteousness. Now here in Genesis 17, God tells Abraham and Sarah that Sarah will have a child when she's 90, and he doesn't believe God. He laughs. He laughs at God. Why is that? How could Abraham trust that God is going to give him so many offspring that they number the stars in the sky and yet does not believe that Sarah's going to get pregnant? Here's what I think. By faith, oh, well, here's what I'm getting ready to say this morning. Trusting God with our salvation, that was a bad typo. Trusting God with our salvation means trusting Him with all of our lives, even with the small things, even when it's difficult. By faith, we're able to believe that God will do extraordinary things beyond our imagination. But in our unbelief, we often don't believe that God will accomplish extraordinary things in extraordinary ways. It's like me and Kanye West. I believe that God, if you'd ask me, like, hey, can God save the chief of sinners? Amen. Amen. 
many can. Can he save Kanye West? Uh, well, no. Well, you bet he can. God says, yes way. God reserves the right to accomplish his mission however he sees fit. Abraham's down with it until he says, your 90-year-old wife's going to get pregnant. He's like, what? No, you might have the wrong couple there. I also think that Abraham has a hard time believing God because he's too close to the situation. In some ways, when we think about what God can do, familiarity breeds contempt. We think that God can do a lot of things, just not with the people that we know. I know a lot of people, if I go up to them right now, be like, God's going to bring revival to this country. And they're like, amen. You're going to change lives. Amen. You're going to start with that lost brother of yours. What? Say what? No, no, God doesn't know my brother. He's a deadbeat. No, he can. He can change anybody. And he says, I'm going to get your 90, I'm going to have, I'm going to have Sarah become pregnant with your son. I think sometimes we have trouble trusting that God is going to um, change the people that we know most. Abraham somehow believes that God will make a great nation out of him, but doesn't believe that Sarah can get pregnant. Oftentimes we claim to trust God with the big stuff, but can't trust him in the smaller stuff. And this calls into question whether we really trust him with our lives. Let me give you several examples. I know people who pray for God to bring revival to our country, but yet they can't pray for their neighbor. I know people who say that they trust God with the salvation of their soul, but they don't trust God with their finances. I know people who pray for their marriage every day, but yet they can't pray for their spouse when they're having a bad day. When God calls us to trust in Him with our souls, He calls us to trust in Him with our lives, with our marriage, with our money, with our mistakes, with our fears. Abraham doesn't have a clue how a 90-year-old woman is going to get pregnant and how a 100-year-old guy is going to get her pregnant. And that's not a sin. What sin is laughing at the living God? God could have struck him down in that moment for the lack of utter disrespect, for the condescension, for Abraham, the creature, to laugh at God, the creator, is one of the most terrible ironies in the entire Bible. If I'm God, I'm like, are you done? You'll see. And he shows him. Let's read verses 19 through 21. God said, No, but Sarah your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means he laughs. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. But he shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. I love how Isaac's name is a reminder of Abraham's sin. And it will be for as long as Abraham is alive. When his friends come over and they're like, hey, I like Isaac. How'd you get that name? Well, that's, that's when I laughed at God. Moving on. Um, God's not going to let him forget. For as long as Isaac's memory lives, today we're talking about Isaac, God wants people to remember what Abraham did laughing at God. God wants us to remember that not even Isaac's own father thought that he could come into the world. It sounds funny, but as we're going to see in chapter 18, even Sarah will laugh at God. Despite their unbelief and their laughing, God will give them a child and he'll name them him Isaac. 
so that as long as they call him what his name is, they will be reminded of their iniquity and their unworthiness to have him. The name Isaac is meant to humble Abraham and remind him of God's grace. We need to be reminded of God's grace every single day, and God has put reminders everywhere in our lives so that we need to wake up every day and remember the gospel again. Faith in Jesus is not just getting baptized, doing some good stuff, and now I'm in, I've got the card, I can get on the train, I can stop living for Jesus. Grace is waking up every single day reminding of the gospel that saves. I have this um, I had a hard time with my mother-in-law when we got married and I'll put it at that um, and I was going we were visiting them one time and some of you might have heard this story I Kelly told me to go get some Starbucks which was good because I really didn't want to be in the house and I got there, and I got them two big venti whatever they were. I don't, Kelly has like a lot, list of things she wants in her coffee. And I was, I was going through there, and I was like, hey, babe, where are you put the coffees at? She's like, just put them on the table. I was like, all right. Something I missed. They have doggy gates all over their house. Baby gates, whatever. It's just one dog. It's a shih tzu that they treat like he's royalty. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'll get and I don't really understand the physics of it. Somehow, I drove headfirst into my mother-in-law's china cabinet. <laughs> what we didn't know at the time, what we know now, is that it wasn't a china cabinet. It was a really big hutch on a table that wasn't attached to the wall. And so I'm still trying to, I mean, give me some credit. I'm trying to save these coffees that I just went and got my wife and my mother-in-law. And I hit this thing, and it rocks, but it doesn't go down. I, th I think I'm fine. It comes down on top of me. $5,000 worth of my mother-in-law's china. It was so loud. <laughs> that the shih tzu in my mother-in-law's arms um, defecated itself <laughs> in her arms. And I drop, I drop everything. I mean, there's, there's coffee everywhere. It's so loud. Shh. At that point, I'm trying to save the cabinet, and it's on my back at that point. And it goes off the thing. And um, I have a really bad relationship with my mother-in-law at that point. And I look over, and she walks up out of the other room. And I, I couldn't make out anything out of my, my mouth, but I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm sorry, Lisa. I'm sorry, Lisa. And she was like, stop. It's okay. It's fine. And she forgave me. And I have the best relationship that I think I've ever had with my mother-in-law now. And I think one of the reasons is, you better believe every time I go into their house now, when I walk up in that house, I see a reminder of what a colossal idiot I am. And I'm also reminded of how much she loved me. So every little comment that I want to make every time she starts on one of her stories I don't want to hear, every little, little pet peeve she has that really gets on my nerves, 
Guess who keeps their mouth shut? Because I've got 5,000 reasons <laughs> to be reminded that I'm forgiven. And I have nothing against her now. Because grace covered it all. The gospel every single day should be looking at the cross with a million reasons, the precious blood of Jesus constantly reminding us that we have no reason to live for ourselves. We have no reason to be entitled. We have no reason as Christians to lord anything over anyone. Why? Because we broke the china cabinet. We sent Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that sent him there. Therefore, we live as forgiven people. And in, in, in Isaac's name, it might at, certain, at, at some point kind of go, well, that's kind of cruel for God to kind of name his name. He laughs. It's not God being cruel. It's God being merciful. Because God doesn't want Abraham to live one day for the rest of his life with that child without forgetting that that child, if it was left to Abram, wouldn't even exist. God gives us common grace every single day and it's all bent toward reminding us that the things that we have and the salvation that we claim is by grace alone and not by ourselves. When God redeems His people, He says, I want you to remember that you laughed at me. I want you to remember that you mocked me. I want you to remember that you sent my Son to the cross. And I also want you to remember that I loved you anyway. That's why I named His name Jesus. Jonathan Edwards said this, But wherever God works with power for salvation upon the minds of men, there will be some discoveries of a sense of sin and the danger of the wrath of God and the all-sufficiency of His Son Jesus. Where there is revival, where there is a people of God, where there is the Spirit working, where there is people gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, there are people who understand fully their iniquity and know the depths of God's grace. God's people know their own sin better than anyone. Christians walk every single day being reminded that we laughed at God. Raise your hand if you've ever been laughed at. Didn't feel good. Being laughed at is the epitome of mockery. When someone laughs at you, what they're saying is you're a joke. You're not serious. And that, that hurts. And it incites a little bit of anger. Imagine the grace of God to restrain himself after choosing Abraham, calling Abraham, making his covenant with Abraham, leading Abraham, teaching Abraham, and then being laughed at. Imagine the grace of God to wait for him to stop laughing and then to say, I'll show you how faithful I am. God doesn't name Abraham's son Isaac to mock him. He names him Isaac to remind him of the glory of his grace and love. I think there's another reason that God chooses a 90-year-old woman to have a son. And it's that it's the same reason He chose a virgin to have Jesus. It's the same reason that God raised Jesus from the dead. God is invested in showing the world that He can make something from nothing, light from darkness, fullness from emptiness. A Christian believes that Jesus was raised from the dead. Therefore, we have no right to doubt the power of God today. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. 
that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So if anyone in here this morning is wondering how and why God would put up with you for so long, how he watched you for so many years of your life, waste your life, making a mockery of his goodness, how he could possibly walk as you laughed at him for all those years, it's because he wanted to show you how patient he is. It's because he wanted to show you how long he could endure. It's because He wanted to show you His steadfast love. It's because God wanted to show you how strong He is so that you could know how sweet the love of Jesus is. When Kelly told me when we first started dating that she could not have children biologically, uh, that was hard. I didn't really want kids at the time, but I knew I wanted them someday. But I knew her, I loved Kelly with all my heart. And I said, that's okay. That's fine. I'm ready for that. I, I wasn't even thinking about adoption. I, didn't, I wasn't raised around adoption. I didn't really know anyone who was adopted. Um, but I knew that I loved Kelly, and I knew that I was okay if she couldn't have kids. But I remember as we got married, in the first couple years of our marriage, I would think sometimes about having kids. And I would see people with kids. And I would get sad and I would start to, to want them. And I knew I couldn't tell Kelly because that would break her heart. But I would think sometimes and daydream about having kids and I would just chuckle to myself and go, that, that can never happen. And lo and behold, today, as most of you know, God gave me what I wanted. He just didn't give me the way that I wanted it. And now every time my twins run around, I'm reminded of how I laughed at God. My two little Isaacs, just playing and snotting up the place and yelling everywhere. And every time I hold them, I'm reminded that I laughed and that God loved me in spite of my laughing. If you're a sinner this morning, you have laughed at God. made a mockery of his glory and grace. But God's love is greater than your sin. You may not have audibly laughed. You might not have uh, mocked God like Abraham. But if you've doubted the power of God in your life, if you've ever thought that his grace wasn't sufficient, if you ever thought that you were too good to receive God's grace, you've laughed at God. But God doesn't want to just smear that in your face. God wants to use your past. God wants to use your sin. God wants to use your mockery to show Him, to show all of us how unworthy we are of His love and how good and beautiful and good He is. When I look at the cross, I see two things. My sin and His grace. And I can't see one without the other. This morning... There is no one in here that deserves God grace, God's grace more than Kanye West. I, I, if God can save Kanye West, he can save me. If, if he can save me, he can save Kanye West. And we may be, uh, we may have our lives together, we may uh, make better choices in our lives, but not one of us can go to the judgment seat 
at the end of days and think that we have any less grace to claim from our Lord. This morning, if you've never thought about your sin as laughing at God, think about the grace that God has given us in Jesus to extend grace and salvation to the very people that mocked him. This morning, if you've never thought about that, I invite you to believe, repent. And repentance isn't just saying you're sorry. Repentance is saying, I laughed at you and I don't deserve you, but I want to claim you as Jesus and Lord. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, uh, we have all made a mockery of your glory. We've all um, spat in your face. We've all laughed at your plan. We've all doubted your power. But you can save the chief of sinners. None of us deserve you, but all can have you by faith. Father, I pray if there's anyone there this morning who has not claimed you as their portion, as their stronghold, as their salvation, pray that they may reach out to Jesus, the name that says God saves. We are all Isaacs, but Father, because of the faith of Abraham, we can be sons and daughters of Abraham through faith in Jesus. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.